there's certain times certain people have said things to me that just stick with me and so um one of them was my therapist after we would go back and forth about like um no I think I'm totally fine what I'm doing is great um and I remember she said something like I think you could have more freedom and I think um I think anytime your thought life or your actual time is being consumed by um body judgments by food judgments by questioning um beating yourself up or questioning your food intake um or i mean just any any time that there's a a, a large amount of time um devoted to thoughts about i'll just say food body or exercise um and there's a lot of anxiety around that or a lot of anxiety if you don't do x y and z um like exercise whatever amount because I, i do think that in our culture those things are so praised that um it can be easy to miss and um and i think it can be difficult to even name like this might be limiting my my freedom or my joy in a certain way that i um that our culture isn't going to to tell us that because it's not going to sell any product. Well, hello friends. That was Melissa Louise Johnson. She is a new friend of mine. She's a writer, marriage and family therapist, the spiritual director, and she hosts a podcast and writes a blog called Impossible Beauty, where she interviews women who are displaying a kind of extraordinary inner beauty and that that acts as a sort of defiant contrast against the cultural standards and norms of beauty that we see all over our ads and Instagram feeds. And as I talked to Melissa, uh, she opens up uh, quite beautifully about her own journey of inner beauty and uh, what she's finding along the way. And so you're going to enjoy this conversation with Melissa. And then I encourage you to check out her podcast called Impossible Beauty. I'll put it on the show notes as well as her blog. She's interviewed people like Sarah Groves and others. And uh, I just really like the message she's spreading. And I really like her. So enjoy the podcast, my friends. Melissa Louise Johnson. Melissa. Hi. Hello. I mean, so I, I was telling you, for some reason, I don't end up doing too many interviews in person. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, I, I just don't interview that many people here in Minneapolis or St. Paul, but mm-hmm. you are local. I am. And so I'm like, well, this is going to be fun. And then we found out, you know, like all these things that we knew, but I didn't know that these <laughs> mutual connections uh, as you were coming in. So it is, I'm just so glad to have you here. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. This is oh, great. Oh, yeah. Well, it's my really my pleasure. I'm so looking forward to talking mm-hmm. to you about what we're going to talk about because I think um, it, it, it's it, for men and women, I want to say mm-hmm. men and women doesn't matter, but mm-hmm. um, when we're talking about beauty, how mm-hmm. to see beauty, mm-hmm. how to get through the layers that keep us from seeing beauty in ourselves mm-hmm. and others, I think um, it's such a tender and vulnerable thing mm-hmm. to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're willing to mm-hmm. talk about it and talk about your project, Impossible Beauty, mm-hmm. um, your podcast, your blog, um, is going to be really helpful for mm-hmm. people. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for being willing to invite me on and address this topic. Cause like yeah. you said, it is kind of a, a more vulnerable, vulnerable one for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. My Lord. Okay. You are a writer. You're a marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. You're a spiritual director. Yes. You have a podcast. Um, how do you fit all that in? And like, wh- like, what is your like top thing? You know, are, yeah. are, is is therapy sort of what you do to put food mm-hmm. on the table? And these other things are 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 less time intensive. Or sort of what is what is your main gig? Or like, how do you spend most of your time? So I'll add another one to the list. Mm. Um, currently, so. The the other thing I'm doing right now is teaching at Bethel University, um, teaching the Introduction to Wellbeing course that Dr. Christine Osgood yeah. started up. Hi, Christine. Uh, yeah. I love Christine. Yes, yeah, she's wonderful. And what she started there is um, amazing around the soul, soul well-being, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because because I have that therapy background and then the spiritual direction piece, it's been a really beautiful 
marriage of my passions. Yeah. And um, so that's what I've been doing. Um, let's see. La so last January, I paused doing therapy mm -hmm. for a season to um, do more teaching and also do some more writing and starting this blog. And well, I had started it before then, but to kind of um, put more time into the blog and podcast mm -hmm. aspect of things. Okay. So. so you took a pause on therapy, yes. put some more focus on starting this blog, starting this podcast, doing some writing. Mm -hmm. um, are you a like it does, does doing new things energize you, spark you, or is it terrifying? It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, um, oof. It really depends what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm an introvert okay. for sure. So like pushing myself to like do a blog or do a mm -hmm. podcast. Um, that is a push for me. Um, some new things energize me. I love learning, which I'm kind of a nerd that way, but, yeah. um, I could probably be in school forever. Yeah. Um, so those new things are cool, but, um, this has definitely been a stretch, um, in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of just making my, putting my face on the internet and like mm -hmm. advertising in that way. Mm -hmm. um, however, I'm so passionate about this message that um, it's been something that um, has been worth pushing myself to do. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mm -hmm. mean, um, people don't believe it when I tell them, but I'm actually a pretty strong introvert as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of my creative um, outlets are like, permission to be alone <laughs> you know like yes. when i'm writing or yeah. even podcasting if i'm by myself um but i all i love what you said about like it, it's worth pushing through mm -hmm. the uncomfort the uncomfortability or whatever it is because you believe in what you're doing mm -hmm. and so describe if you would yeah. um your hopes behind impossible beauty the podcast the blog hmm. um and yeah just first describe without even getting into where, why you started it, sure. describe what you hope mm. will happen because of this work. It's an excellent question. It's probably good for me to articulate this. Um, oh yeah. You're, I mean, but you're going to be, yeah, go ahead. Sure. So just to state what it is. So impossible beauty is a blog and a podcast, like you mentioned. And the mission is to, um, redefine beauty as the life of God at work in us and among us mm -hmm. versus unhelpful cultural narratives. Um, mm -hmm. largely, I mean, people probably images are conjured up even as I say cultural narratives. So that thin toned, aesthetically perfect image that, um, is everywhere. Um, so I'm really wanting to open up, um, that narrative and, um, offer something new and different. And so in order to do that, I've done some writing on the blog and then interview people on the podcast who I think exude internal and eternal beauty on the topic of beauty to help mm -hmm. us figure out like, can you say that again? Internal and eternal. Yes. Wow. Internal and eternal beauty. Um, because honestly, like, um, so I'm a faith, faith is really important to me. And, um, even in saying that, um, I've, I've lived in this culture for my whole life in American culture and, um, beauty. When I think of that word, even I think of all the, the things I just mentioned, mm -hmm. this aesthetically perfect, mm -hmm. um, thing. And, um, and I found I need new eyes and new stories mm -hmm. and new narratives around authentic beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, because I believe in a, in a God who's beautiful and just that word doesn't mean a lot to me because I have all these other ideas around it that are mm -hmm. so cultural, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, let, can, can we, and I, I think I have some thoughts on it too, but what would you say are some of the cultural narratives around beauty and things that are beautiful and things that, I mean, I, I'm using this pejoratively, but things that the culture would say is not. Like, what are the mm -hmm. narratives that you've identified that, keep us in the lane of this is beautiful. This isn't beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple of things. So what is beautiful? Um, some of the things I already mentioned, mm -hmm. I mean, so one huge one is thinness, particularly mm -hmm. for women. I think that that narrative is actually getting a lot stronger for men too. And oh, yeah. statistics around eating disorders would definitely back that one up. Um, so thinness, uh, toned, and it's almost this impossible, like, 
really thin, but also really toned. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, the interesting part too, is that there are all these little like subtle shifts. Mm -hmm. So like now, like it's always morphing exactly what, what it is, but mm -hmm. um, so thin, toned, um, no wrinkles. I feel that in our culture, we have this, I don't know if it's a, a fear of death, mm -hmm. but just this idea of youthfulness mm -hmm. is um, so that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting too, for women, how um, that I think men can grow older with a little bit a bit more ease than women um when it comes to things like wrinkles but so what isn't beautiful in our culture um i think anything that's um showing that you're that you're aging particularly as a woman mm -hmm. um and then i think anything that isn't that ideal body mm -hmm. um and again for women i think one of the um hardest things that I realized or like saddest thing um, that I realized is in our culture, the women don't have a voice mm. unless they look a certain way. Um, like I just started noticing and maybe other people are like, yep, I've noted that for years, but I started to really like look at news anchors and um, I mean, obviously famous people are like celebrity women, but like, oh, in order to actually matter in quotes in this culture, I need to look a certain way. And mm -hmm. I think we internalize that mm -hmm. um, in a way that maybe is even hard to um, to name or to even admit that I've been impacted to mm -hmm. that extent. Um, yeah. So. Well, I'm even thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking of a show and I, I don't necessarily want to name the show because I actually like the show, but I don't sure. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. Anyway, there's a show uh -huh. and one of the lead characters um, is, you know, just a much a woman who weighs a whole lot more than most typical mm -hmm. actresses in any TV show. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to someone about that and I was kind of like, like my first thought was, I think that's kind of cool. You know, you have like, it was like breaking some rules and stuff. Yeah. But the woman that I was talking to, she was like, Oh hell no, that is mm. bullshit. Like, hmm. like because the reason why she thought it was bullshit <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say the show because actually it's good. Hey, whatever. <laughs> is that the storyline about this person okay. is all about eating disorders and blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. And she's like, why? Okay, yes. Is it progress that, hmm. you know, and it's even saying that sounds so gross. Is it mm -hmm. progress that, you know, but if it really was progress, there, you know, there would just be a person with, right. you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously, right. She's gonna struggle big totally. time with eating disorders and body injury. Yeah, you know, and and then I was like, okay, yeah. So yeah. even that, yeah, is tricky, isn't it? Yes. Like it's tricky because yeah. we can watch that show because she's in a familiar category. Sure, that we yeah. understand. Yep. Yeah, for and sure. It's, it's yuck, right? Isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. You, you talk in one of your blogs, you wrote in one of your blogs about mm -hmm. the idea of media saturation mm. and how that is affecting our view of beauty. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Because I was like, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, for sure. So what do you mean by media saturation yeah. first and then how does it affect how we see beauty? Yeah, yeah. so I think the term um, in that particular blog is around... Um, this amazing documentary called The Illusionist, which I would highly recommend it. Oh, okay, um, The Illusionist. I'll try to remember to put yes. that in the show notes. All right, cool. By Elena Rossini. She's an Italian filmmaker. Um, and anyway, so this idea of media saturation comes from the fact that um, in this documentary, they name that 80% of our waking hours or 80% of our day, we, have, we are confronted with some kind of media. So... Um, and when I heard that, I was like, seriously? That is depressing. I know. But I was like, yeah, like yeah. billboards, phones, like, mm -hmm. okay, like mm -hmm. we're there. Um, and so if you think about the fact that particularly um, for for women, if we're thinking about that ideal image and um, also keeping in mind that your average actress and, and model are like 20% below um, what is considered average or... Uh, 
healthy, we'll say mm -hmm. in quotes, weight for a woman, mm -hmm. um, which actually puts them at um, in the DSM-4 diagnosis for anorexia nervosa. Mm. So our norm for the ideal body image, all of this in quotes, right, is right. Um, for women, we're, get, we're seeing that. 80% of our waking hours, I mean, maybe not all of them are, the advertisements are feature, featuring women, but if those are the images that we are seeing, um, what story is that telling mm. our psyches? And like, what what story is that telling us about who matters and what we should look like? But I don't know if that's off the point, but the media saturation point is just the fact that we are inundated um, with media and advertising um, yeah, 80% of our hours that we're awake, which is pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting for me to hear that because at the same time that people like Brene Brown mm -hmm. are writing and doing such good work in the world around shame and resilience and stuff, we, if it's true that we're spending 80% of our waking hours mm -hmm. being, um, you know, and in many ways, like sort of passively yeah. observing. Mm -hmm. a kind of reality that actually will will elicit shame responses within us yes and in a bodily way even yeah. beyond just our like what we consciously can even understand yeah then how are we ever going to climb out of that hole because totally. we don't even know that it's you know yes. i think this passive you're scrolling through twitter in, instagram and i actually like instagram mm-hmm um, I do. I think it's fun. Like, um, yeah. you know, the other, I mean, Twitter can be fun too, but Instagram can bring me a kind of joy, but mm -hmm. I don't even, I'm not even aware yeah. of, yeah. um, the narrative that I'm seeing. Yeah. And so it's interesting you know? too that you say, sorry to interrupt. No, you. no. Okay. It's interesting that you say Instagram too. So I'm, 35 you'd think I'm 80 when it comes to technology but I just realized like I don't know like a month ago or something people I just learned of um this might be a super old technology but I don't even know what it's called but the fact that you can like change your um basically do digital retouching on your Instagram images oh, yeah. before posting them and mm -hmm. on Snapchat and so it makes me think like okay we are then um just like for the adolescents and um like we're, our reality is being filtered, filtered. and that's the, that's the thing we can put filters on it, but that's it. Our mm -hmm. reality is being filtered. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, so this ideal image that we're seeing, we can just replicate that to each other. And I mean, now then it's not only celebrities and advertisers, but it's your best friend or your, mm -hmm. whatever your acquaintances are now have this ideal image or, um, and I just, I just think like, well, how is that shaping the mm -hmm. youth of our, of our, um, I mean, country, but steadily the world, I suppose mm -hmm. too, but yeah. Um, well, I, I think, you know, one of the things I love about what you're doing, um, on your blog and your podcast sure. and, and in your writing is sort of exposing the narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, and even that something like media saturation is one of those wake up calls where you go like, okay, well. I need to maybe change my patterns of consumption, you know? Sure. Um, but also I think you're, you're very hopeful, mm -hmm. right? So how has your own view of beauty changed over the course of years, but also doing this work? Mm. Um, a lot of different ways I could answer that. It's a great question. I mean, I'm glad that you shifted because I can go to a place sometimes and like, oh man, we're we're going oh, to hell too. in a handbasket. We too. should just really give up now. But um, but no, yes. Um, so yeah, I think um for me, I just I think the shift, a really significant shift happened when I realized that the old narrative, well, that it existed. Like I think I knew it, but then like um I went through some experiences in my own life that I realized like, ooh, crap, this is really um kind of inundated my mind and my heart in a way that I hadn't really even understood before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I can speak on that in a moment. But um, I think then it just opened my eyes in, in a new way to the depth of those old narratives or these cultural narratives are um, so broken and they're making me more broken um, that I realized, okay, in order to like crawl out of this hole, like mm -hmm. I need, I need, new eyes, new yeah. narratives. And so 
I think interviewing, well, that wake up call definitely changed my views, but then starting to interview people around, about authentic beauty. Um, and that's been a huge piece in the, um, what's now the podcast. It started off, um, as an interview series on the blog, but, um, because so the way, like I said, the way I'm defining beauty is the life of God at work in us and among us, which is hugely broad. And mm -hmm. that, that's what I love about it. But just, um, hearing different people's definition of what they think beauty is or mm -hmm. where they find beauty, how they find beauty in the midst of brokenness. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, that's a conversation, um, I could almost replace beauty with God. Um, mm -hmm. and I think God is so huge and mysterious and I'm like, um, I, I know he or she, whatever your language is, um, is beautiful. And I don't even know exactly, um, all that that means. Like, I feel like I've glimpsed it. And mm -hmm. so I want to like, these conversations are conversations about, um, me seeing the expansiveness of, of God and authentic beauty. And then, um, so it's like this, I could, I feel like I could keep discovering and, um, yeah, it definitely is a journey of discovery, but I think that that has shifted my view is like, oh my goodness, like tr real beauty exists in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, um, and it's, it's so different than what my culture has told me. And like, like that old version doesn't even, um, pale in comparison to like this expansiveness of authentic beauty. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and, you know, again, you can say what you want to say or not, but the wake sure. up call, do you want to yeah. get into any more specifics about what that was? Sure. Yeah. So um, as Steve, as you mentioned, Steve, I'm a marriage and family therapist. And um, so about, uh, yeah, five ish, maybe a little bit more, five to seven years ago, I need to. I'm bad with math. <laughs> also, yeah. I'm like that too. I'm like between one and seven years ago. Right. This it could be any time yeah. in there. Yeah. I won't take the time to count, but, um, yeah. So I was working as a therapist and, um, as part of my own self care, I see my own therapist and she had been telling me for a while, like, Hey, I think you're, um, like your own behaviors around food and exercise are a little funky. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. Yep. I had, the thing about my own exercise and eating habits is that, um, the culture was telling me the less like, like almost this, um, I was going to say orthorexia narrative, but what that means is, um, basically like food perfectionism, mm -hmm. like, yeah, just veggies. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those are all, those are all great. Mm -hmm. But if that's, you're like fixating on, that's mm -hmm. really all you should have when you eat or, um, yeah. And then our culture also gives us the narrative of, you know, exercise is, you know, the more, the better, get your steps in, then some, mm -hmm. um, I had taken those cultural narratives and brought them to an extreme. And of course there are other like, um, pieces that come into kind of the stressors of my life at the time and things like that. But long story short, I realized I had been basically struggling with, a an eating disorder, like restrictive eating and mm -hmm. over-exercising for over a decade wow. and hadn't really, named it. And I ended up having to pause my life for, um, for some time yeah. to get set to do some intensive work around that. Um, and from that time, um, I ended up, I had no intention of like ever writing a book or doing a blog or anything like that. But, um, I, I got to the point where I was like, um, the disorder got to a pretty rough place mm -hmm. where I was like, that has kind of, that became my life. Yeah. Um, at the time I was also studying to be a spiritual, um, uh, going to George Fox to get my master's mm -hmm. in spiritual director, spiritual formation. Yeah. So I was being inundated with this grace narrative, um, while having these old, um, ways of being stripped away. Like if I actually want to do a, a real meaningful life, I need to like totally turn from those old, thought patterns. Um, and of course that's a process. Um, but anyway, um, and I think just sitting with these women in, um, these, um, groups that I was a part of and realizing, and there's like no discrimination when it comes to eating disorders. Like it's pretty, I was pretty surprised to see the cross section of, um, of people that mm -hmm. were in the rooms with me in the group rooms. Um, but, uh, to hear, like these really accomplished women or 
kind-hearted women. Like I was like, these women are amazing. Like no one would, I would never have guessed that these women struggle like they Mm do. And to hear the depth of, um, how these, these beauty narratives and these narratives that have said this in order to be worth something as a woman, woman, you need to do X, Y, and Z or look this certain way. Um, and again, I don't want to, that is true for men too. There, there were men there as well, but, um, most, when I was there, most of them were women. Mm -hmm. Um, so just to say that, um, that total, uh, I don't know, just having that, all of those old, um, realizing that I couldn't go on with those, those old narratives. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I, I just had these started to, it's hard to sum this up, but, um, you're doing great. I mean, I really, I have some follow-up questions, which, but keep, keep going. So, yeah. So I just ended up, um, I ended up writing this, this manuscript for a book and that's its own journey. Mm -hmm. But, um, a lot of that was around just how I, um, my own self-awareness and then kind of then how I dug myself or crawled out of the hole of these shame based narratives and realizing, um, yeah, I just kind of realized what I had to do steadily in order to, um, live, live life in a new way. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of that had to do around, um, thinking about beauty in a, in a new way. And, and I think thinking about God in a new way too, that, cause they are so joined right. for me, Yeah, but yeah, I did, go ahead. That was so good. Um, it sounds a little bit like one of the, th- well, you can agree or disagree or sure. expand or say, no, that wasn't really it. But it sounds like one of the things that happened as you came face to face with, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe I don't see food, mm. body, in a healthy way. I thought I did, but maybe I didn't. Yeah. And then getting into groups, you know, with people that, oh my gosh, this person, that person is that maybe there was a narrative of the kind mm-hmm. of person who has an eating disorder that needed to break down, you know, totally. like, cause I think mo- still, you know, yeah. it's like we have a picture of, mm-hmm. I don't know, a 14 year old, mm-hmm. you know, girl that, you know, only, whatever i mean it's extreme we have an extreme picture yes um but it really is much more nuanced and pervasive totally is that is that yes reading it right thank you for saying that like if i ever this book that i was working or i'm working on i was like if i ever get it published i want to have like this like debunking eating disorder myths at the beginning because that is one that i'm like thank you for naming that because um i mean i think even for me like uh like as much as like I've been educated in mental health disorders and things like that, I think that old narrative of anorexia or eating disorder looks like, um, emaciated Mm -hmm. 14 year old, Mm -hmm. um, extreme, super obvious. Totally. Yes. And, um, I mean the really interesting and sad, or I'll just say interesting part too, is, I mean, we know, even some people who are malnourished, their body isn't going to, um, they're never going to look emaciated. Um, right. So they're, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, yeah, our, the image doesn't tell or the outside doesn't tell the story. And so thank you for, for naming mm-hmm. that. The outside doesn't tell the story. So I think that's a title of a podcast or a blog or a book or something. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, and thank you for being so mm-hmm. willing to tell your own mm-hmm. story and that, cause I think listeners even, I know Hmm. right now, you know, there's this Mm -hmm. feeling. So because I know how it is right now, someone's thinking, shit, Hmm. I think that describes me. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I eat really well, I exercise and that's been praised. People tell me I look good. I feel good, but wait a minute. Like I'm thinking about this all the time and it's all, I, it's, I'm still operating maybe as if I'm less than if I cheat, you know, mm-hmm. or can you like, can you speak to someone who's maybe mm-hmm. even, even right now sort mm-hmm. of maybe they turned off the podcast, <laughs> right. they turn it back on mm-hmm. maybe um, like, what would you want to tell them? Mm-hmm. What a tough yeah. question. So feel free. No, it's a great question. Um, 
and I will, my, uh, there are certain times, certain people have said things to me that just stick with me. And mm-hmm. so, um, one of them was my therapist after we would go back and forth about like, um, no, I think I'm totally fine. What I'm doing is great. Um, and I remember she said something like, I think you could have more freedom. Mm. Um, and I think, um, I think anytime your thought life or your actual time is being consumed by um, body judgments, by food judgments, by questioning, um, beating yourself up or questioning your food intake. Um, or, I mean, just any anytime that there's a, a, a large amount of time um, devoted to thoughts about, I'll just say, food, body, Mm -hmm. or exercise. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety around that or a lot of anxiety if you don't do X, Y, and Z, um, Mm -hmm. like exercise, whatever amount, or, um, I think, uh, anytime that any of that is happening, I think it might be time to maybe just take a look at it and maybe have a, I mean, I'm, I'm all for like assessments, like Mm -hmm. going in to talk to someone Mm -hmm. too. Like, um, we have great places here in the, in the twin cities. Um, but, um, maybe even just going in to do an assessment and someone can tell you if, um, Mm -hmm. if you meet criteria to get some help. Um, because I, I do think that in our culture, those things are so praised that, um, it can be easy to miss. And, um, and I think it can be difficult to even name like this might be limiting my, my freedom or my joy in a certain way that I, um, that our culture isn't going to to tell us that because mm-hmm. it's not going to sell any products. If, right. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned um, there are some places here in the Twin Cities. Could you name a couple? Would you feel yeah. comfortable naming yeah. a couple yeah, of them? And I'll sure. put these on the show notes as well. But yeah, yeah. So um, the one I'm most familiar with is the Emily Program. Yep. Um, and then the Melrose um, yeah. Center. I think that's the correct name. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. Um, I think Methodist Hospital may have one as well. Um, but the two major ones that I know of would be the Emily program and Melrose here in the Twin Cities. Um, and I know for sure at the Emily program, you can just go in and get, um, not, I shouldn't say just because I know that could be a really hard step, um, or big step, but you can go in and get an assessment and just say, Hey, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think something might be going on. Um, but there are people, this is what they, they, they're professionals in mm-hmm. this and they can just kind of help you splice out like perhaps there's some support I could benefit from Mm -hmm. um, to get some more freedom in my life around these things. And I mean, I kind of just even as you're saying all that stuff and maybe someone's listening and maybe they're thinking, maybe I do need to go in. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you, could you help us normalize, Mm -hmm. you know, like statistics if you know them, but it seems like, I mean, like I, you know, who doesn't on on, like on one level. Yeah. And I'm going to say, especially women, but increasingly, man, I think you're right. Um, you know, would you say like, listen, if you're thinking, maybe I should, mm-hmm. you probably should go in or is that overstating oh. it? You know? So I, I, uh, what's the, like, yeah. How would you help people navigate that? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think oftentimes like, so clinically, like you would think like, is this getting in the way of my, of my functioning? Um, and I think that that's a hard question. Um, I'll, I'll speak to you. So I would say if you're thinking, ooh, maybe I should go in, mm-hmm. um, I would trust, I guess I would trust that instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would trust that instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, particularly because I think that these, um, what is unhelpful oftentimes for our, um, our, the wellness of our, of our whole self, um, I think that some of these cultural narratives can get in the way. And so I, I think that they're so normalized, like the, the things I was naming, mm-hmm. like the more you exercise, the better, or mm-hmm. the less you eat, the better. Mm-hmm. Those things are so normalized that I think that um, they can go under the radar so easily. Mm-hmm. So if you're, th- I, I guess my, in, my inclination would be like, if you're thinking maybe just yeah. go get it checked out. Like um, I totally would. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it seems like also, you know, is there a safe person you can tell? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm I'm I listen to this podcast or whatever. I, yeah. I but I'm thinking about going into the Emily program. Mm-hmm. I'm scared as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, can you you know help totally. me? Totally. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so someone that's just going to be yeah. okay, you know, non-judgmental, mm-hmm. not like, yeah, I've been worried about, you know, but yes, just yes. like, hey, okay, well, I'm with you. You know, do you want me to go in there with you or, do, you know, like mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah. Seems like would be really helpful. Totally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, this is so good. I have so many questions, none of which I've even, that I wrote down, I've even asked, I don't think yet, but... <laughs> Um, I do want to ask you and feel free to, but you already kind of went there. So, but I do want to, I do want to ask like, what would you, what, what do you want to say to men Mm -hmm. about beauty? Hmm. Um, and I don't want to get stuck in a binary, like men to women, Mm. men to men, you know, the queer community, let's, let's speak to everyone as broadly as we, as we can, but what would you want to say to men about? beauty Hmm. are there cultural and i know it's so broad are there general cultural differences that you've observed but also are there is there an increasing level among men where we're Hmm. seeing body image issues and eating disorders or not Mm -hmm. that's about seven questions right there so just pick pick whichever one you want to answer yeah, no, I think um, so. I'll just I'll just say right away. I don't have as as much. I haven't done as much reading on this, um, or had as much experience because I'm not a man. However, um, I think um, what I see is um, and notice. I mean, because I don't even know that they started doing studies on men because mm-hmm. regarding like things like eating disorder, eating disorders, or body dysmorphia, or things mm-hmm. like that. So body dysmorphia is where you don't see the reality of what your body actually looks like. Um, and I know, um, so those statistics are rising. Um, thankfully, the number of men seeking help for eating disorders, I mean, I can only state generally from what I've seen, um, there's, there's more openness about seeking help. Um, but in terms of did you ask about norms, cultural norms around yeah. beauties? Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's interesting because I would say that like toned, no fat, um, or, you know, the least amount of fat possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of those I think are things are, are probably go for both genders. Um, interestingly, though, I, I do think that it does seem like there's more... Um, I guess the, it, it seems to me that there's more pressure for men around these things as well. We're just, um, I think our, as a, as a culture, it seems like just our, our focus on image is mm-hmm. um, ever increasing. And maybe that's just because we're so, so image and media saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, that pressure doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, yeah. I don't know if that, if there's anything that, that is, that really helps. And I, and I definitely, I wouldn't even call it a double standard because it's even more than that, but I definitely still think, you know, for men in general, sure, you know, th- there's, there's less, there's probably less, pre- way less pressure sure. to look a certain way than there is for women in our culture. Sure. Some of that's patriarchy. Some of that's just how advertising is, you know, you look, yeah. like when the advertising boom kicked off in the sixties and yeah. You know, we're selling things to men with by putting women with, you know, <laughs> a certain kind of body and mm-hmm. and that certain kind of body has changed, right? But we're yeah. still we're still advertising that that yeah. way. And I think um men probably still have later now I'm I'm almost fifty, okay. Okay. But I Melissa, I remember mm-hmm. and it was it was later, much later than most girls probably, but I remember mm-hmm. the first time I really thought about body image Hmm. so I grew up um playing sports and stuff and I was always Mm -hmm. you know I was just active and um my body was strong and thin and muscly and Mm -hmm. and then I went to college Mm -hmm. and I wasn't even aware that Mm -hmm. I gained about 20 pounds but Mm -hmm. I wasn't now like you you would have thought like well didn't you have to buy new pants or I probably did but I didn't but anyway so the summer after my first year of college Mm -hmm. I was up at my parents' cabin and I was, we were inside having lunch and I just had my swim trunks on and no shirt. Mm-hmm. And someone goes, and I said something about, so I was 20, no, I was 19 probably. Mm-hmm. 
So this is the first time, 19. I mean, that's that's really late, you know, like sure. most girls. But I, I was complaining about the food at the college that I went to. And then someone said, oh, it doesn't look like you've missed many meals. Hmm. And then I was standing next to my friend. I looked at him and I go, hmm. I go, really? And he goes, you got a ways to go. Meaning, hmm. yeah, like you've gone to seed, you know. Hmm. And I remember, and, and honestly, like, so I was 19. Um, at, that's never like, so for me, mm-hmm. it's gone up and down and, you know, mm-hmm. but I've thought about my weight mm-hmm. every day for the rest of, you know, every, every day since then. Mm-hmm. And it's gone up and down and, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm at maybe, um, but I think about it, mm-hmm. you know, if I see a picture of myself where it's mm-hmm. like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and pictures are so subjective, like based mm-hmm. on the angle and the lighting and right. it's like. Do I really look like that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But then even what's that, you know? Yeah. Do I really look like that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it is a deal for men. No one talks about it. I will mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. Men mm-hmm. don't talk about it. Well, I, I don't know. In general, I don't think men talk about it. Sure. Sure. You know. Okay. Let me ask a sensitive question. And you yeah. may say, I'm not answering that. Yeah. It's not about you. But like, to me, it seems like. I may be totally wrong. Okay. okay. Yeah. But like when a woman walks in a room, mm-hmm. maybe she's looking fine, wh- whatever. Mm-hmm. I, let me ask the question. Mm-hmm. Does she care? And I'm talking about maybe straight women. Mm-hmm. Does she care more about what women think she looks like mm-hmm. or what men think she looks like? That is a great question. I mean, so it's probably going to depend on, on, on the, the person, woman. of course. And, um, but you do bring up, or Andy, bring up a really interesting point because I've heard that from other people mm. say like maybe women are um, actually wanting to look good again in quotes um, for other not for other women, but almost because there is this comparison um, among women that I think is really um, interesting, um, and I think our culture sets us up for it. And um, so totally. It, um, on that that actually brings up a really interesting thing um so i just i I almost wonder if this is like um i mean if we just think about um from like a shame perspective or um, i just i just see these narratives disintegrating women in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. i think relational disintegration is huge um like if you think about it like I, i don't get these magazines anymore but i remember in i don't know like college or not college but like high school or I would see like an in touch magazine or Mm -hmm. I I don't know those types and they would be like who wore it better Mm -hmm. so and so or so and so yeah so we are like literally being trained like hmm Mm -hmm. yeah who did wear that better like who the heck cares but like so but we are being conditioned to look at okay yeah which which person wore this better so as women we are looking at each other like okay do I look better does she look or um and so Instead of this like unifying that I think is much more helpful and healthy, um, our culture in a lot of ways is teaching us to be pit against each other. Mm-hmm. Like who's the guy going to like, who's prettier mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not, again, I, I, I don't want to, I, I just, I don't see that as much for men. Um, I will say as a man, I, yeah. I like if, if you're a fat, if you care about fashion, yeah, if you care about how you look. Which I I would put myself in both of those categories. Oh my yeah. gosh! But <laughs> I would say I'm typically not thinking. Yeah. What is what do guys think of how I look? You know. Yeah. I'm maybe more thinking in general, like you know, do I look good or whatever? And mm-hmm. maybe at this stage of my life, I'm I'm a little less sort of like you know, try, you know, try to look good for the ladies. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but I I seem like I like I remember one of my friends that's a woman saying every room I enter mm. I quick before I even know it I mm-hmm. scan to see if if I'm if if I'm the heaviest woman in the room mm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's like almost an unconscious but she mm-hmm. became aware of that she mm-hmm. does it mm-hmm. but it's like that's what I'm talking about yeah and so I don't even think it's like I don't know I do think there's a cultural narrative that pits women against one another, one hundred percent. But I also think there's seems to be 
it, it, you know, it seems to be less about am I attracted to someone that I want to be attracted toward or attracted by or to. And there's some there's hmm. some worth going on around comparison. Hmm. Totally. That's part of the narrative that mm-hmm. is really harmful. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And how young does it, you know, start and. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, I mean, and I don't know how young the comparison piece mm-hmm. starts, but um, I was just recently writing a couple of things and looking up different statistics for dieting and how young girls have started to diet now and worry about their weight. And one statistic, like I forget the percentage of girls, but like they, a large number of girls had um, answered positively to that. I would rather be run over by a truck than feel that I look fat. Oh man. Um, Hmm. yeah. So anyway, just the, I don't know the comparison piece, but, um, just how young this, these types of things are on Mm -hmm. the radar for Mm -hmm. women and Mm -hmm. for, for girls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at the time Yeah. and my Lord, we got to wrap it up. Okay. But I do have a couple more questions if that's okay. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to ask like, and this is sort of a turn, but like Mm -hmm. who's inspiring you these days? Like Mm. who? Like what writer or person mm-hmm. that you'd like, you know what? They're seeing beauty in a good, like they're helping me see beauty or, yeah, you know. Yes. Um, okay. That's a hard question because I've been interviewing. Okay. So I'll say two. Okay. One is Hillary McBride. Yes. She's, she's fantastic. Totally amazing. And she's doing a lot of amazing work about around embodiment. Mm-hmm. And so her for sure, as I'm trying to think of like a new way forward, um, in terms of being a woman in this world and new narratives around, around beauty. Um, she's been a huge leader in her book, mother's daughters and eating, uh, mother, mother's daughters and body image. Mm-hmm. It would be a book I'd highly recommend. The other person is Makoto Fujimura. Are you familiar with no. him? Oh my goodness. I would not, um, I, I haven't gotten into the art world scene, um, not on purpose, but just cause I just haven't as much. Yeah. His art is phenomenal and he paints with this, um, Nihonga. It's like an ancient Japanese technique and it has, it's all about like painting with pulverized minerals. So it's this beautiful analogy of bringing beauty from literal brokenness, pulverized minerals. Anyway, he, um, he's written a couple of books. Um, Sarah Groves actually tipped, I have to give her credit Mm -hmm. in her, the interview I did with her. Mm -hmm. She mentioned him, um, and culture care, I think is one of his books. And then beauty and silence is another one. Um, but then also he has art. Um, I think he's in charge of like the cultural, some sort of cultural center at Fuller seminary. Um, but those, those are some places that you could find Makoto Fujimura and, just um, there's some videos online of him that uh, the way he talks about art and about God just have been like hugely eye opening about like how expansive beauty really mm-hmm. is. Um, so those are a couple. Oh, OK, I'm going to put those on the show notes as well. I've written them down. OK. Um, and to get to the show notes, just go. Um, I think steveweens.com slash show notes. <laughs> or not. And if you don't can't if you can't find it that way, just keep looking. <laughs> Um, okay. So where can we find your work? Sure. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the, the podcast, the blog, your website, Twitter, Instagram, where can we follow you? Yeah. So, um, the blog is impossible dash beauty.com. And from there you can access the blog articles. Um, and then also all of the interviews are posted up there. Um, but also, on um, you can access them via podcast as well. So Apple podcasts and, um, Stitcher, I think mm-hmm. is the Android version of that. Nice. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And then, yes, that's true. okay. Thank you. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm Melissa dot Louise dot Johnson. I haven't done the, um, the Twitter scene yet, but maybe, maybe that'll be something to be looking for. But man, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like Twitter, but you gotta, you, there's a, you know, you gotta know how to play. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For each platform, mm-hmm. there's something to learn. It's really like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's like they're three completely different personalities uh-huh. and, 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 and rules of operation, you know? Yeah. And, you know, anyway, so who cares? But, 
Um, <laughs> I don't think you need to be on Twitter. Okay. Unless you want to. I, I, yeah, I don't feel that I, I really have a strong desire, so mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There, your answer to this question, this is the last question, might be no, but is there anything you hoped I would ask you that I didn't? Mm. Or anything you want to say as sort of the last the last, you know, thing that you would say? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's something that I hoped you had asked. I think, um, I don't know. I think just on this journey, and I do see it that way, I just, I just see myself as like a, a co-journeyer and not like an, an expert or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, I think the more people listening who are like, yeah, I could get on board with that. Mm-hmm about like writing a new narrative around beauty. I think, um, I think my thought would be, I, I, I want to learn from people and have them just join in when like, let's do it together and like re- rewrite something new and better and more beautiful, um, together. Um, so I don't know what that is. If that's like a, a call to action or an invitation, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that that would be my, my final thought is I mm-hmm. think it, we could kind of, uh, I've, I've been really struck by, um, seeing the expansiveness of, of beauty and seeing God in some really new and interesting ways in this whole thing. So mm-hmm. I invite other people to come alongside and help me learn from, from you all as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're curating stories, you know, mm. of, of beauty. And so I think the more people that have their eye out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to see beauty, the divine in a different way that could join you on this journey, you know, mm. maybe there's a way to share those mm. stories Hmm. Um, you know, beyond even just what you're putting out there. Yeah. Could be a interesting community of people, you know. Yes. So there's an idea. Um yeah. not that you needed one, but no, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Melissa, thank you so much. This was this went where I hoped it would go. Mm. Um, and thanks for indulging my probing questions, mm. vulnerable questions with grace and mm and expansiveness I really appreciate it Mm. well thank you so much for having me appreciate it hey friends thanks so much for listening to this good word if you love this podcast there's three ways that you can support my work one is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.